five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Lord Deck Season 2, Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Cal Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? I'm doing quite well. I'm glad to be here and can't wait to get into this episode. Oh, yeah. Should be fun. Should be fun. And also on the podcast, we have Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I am doing very good, man. Very good. I am, as well as Cal, excited to talk about this episode. Uh, just kind of curious what you guys think. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, um, it should be interesting. <laughs> But what we do here in this podcast is review every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review, like, and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are currently listening on to make sure you don't miss an episode. And also it helps with our discovery. So we really appreciate that, guys. With that, we'll go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek Lower Decks and Embarrassment of Duplers. An Embarrassment of Duplers is the fifth episode of season two of Star Trek Lord Dex. The episode was written by David Enfill and David Wright and was directed by Kim Arndt with Barry J. Kelly serving as supervising director. Mariner and Boimler try to track down a location of a legendary Starfleet party while the bridge crew deals with an insecure alien diplomat. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Like always, we go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Cal Jones, what do you have for us, man? Serious or comedic? What do you guys think I have for you tonight? If... I were a bit man, I would say comedic. Jonathan Shorts, what say you? Well, I would say comedic as well, but I'm excited for you to let the uh, cat out of the bag. Okay. Well, I think it would be then appropriate for me to say that you're both right. And so here I go. <laughs> Don't be tardy for the parting. Hmm. Okay. A little, <laughs> a little dated reference that few people get unless they watch Real Housewives of Atlanta. But I do know what you're talking about, sir. You are exactly right. Don't be tardy for the party. <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. There you go. It's so niche. I, I'm, I doubt anybody listening to this podcast. <laughs> but still, it applies. It works. <laughs> Yeah, go look yeah, up but... Don't Be Tardy for the Party on YouTube. That is your homework, listener, and blame Kyle. And blame me. But it works. <laughs> it so works for this episode. Because seriously, I was trying to find something good, and that kept coming back over and over and over. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. Don't be tardy for the party. Well, first, let's say you might need to get invited to the party. But, John... But what do you think about this episode, man? What is your high level view? Oh boy, um, I'm still on that whole. Maybe I'm just like I don't know, immune to it now. I, overall, good episode for me. I, I I dare say I enjoyed it. Wow. Uh, but there was just one part that was very irritating to me, and I think it just kind of. 
was the show itself. I mean, that part. But, I mean, overall, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Wow, this ship is turning around. Coming about. Hmm. Cal, you have any additional thoughts besides don't be tardy for the party? Yes. So, I do regret not having more of the Doctor. You know, I have found that that's my favorite character. However, I do like some of the things that they were playing with in in as much as the themes of the story goes. And I know, you know, we're about to get into it, but bottom line, I had fun. I enjoyed it. I didn't have a cat reference to make fun of or enjoy, but all things said, I enjoyed it. What about you? I, I, I really enjoyed it as well. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, there were some annoying parts for me also, which I think it was just a show being the show, but I think the show really had some good themes. It had some almost meta commentary on what people think of the show and in turn may think of these people that are the lower decks of Starfleet and kind of kind of sad of what, what they kind of have to go through being in the position they are not being the elite of uh, of Starfleet. So I found all those themes really cool. Of course, uh, Rutherford and Tindy were great and a very interesting alien. So. I really, I really think I enjoyed it. Let's get right into it. The Cerritos is escorting a Dupler emissary to Starbase 25. So the Duplers are a species that involuntarily duplicate as an emotional defense mechanism, as explained in the show. <laughs> so we got to start off with that. Uh, what do you guys think of the Duplers as a race, uh, as an alien race, as a concept? John, what do you think, man? Uh, so that kind of gets into the irritating part for me. Mm. I like the concept. I do like the concept. I like what they were going for. But that little guy just irritated the crap out of me. <laughs> and, and, and it, so it just kind of, it, 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 okay. I get it. It's animated. It's a cartoon. I get it. Okay. And I get that we can't spend too much time on the details. I get it. But what kept bothering me about this was what 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 happens on this alien's planet? <laughs> like they have to be like overpopulating. Like I, I get it, and it's I think, in my opinion, it's kind of a callback to like the Tribbles. Like it's Lower yeah. Dick's version of the Tribbles, and I think it's a great concept. But every time this guy gets emotionally distraught, other than angry, he duplicates and. That, so I can say, like, that can't work. That's not possible. Yeah. And I know it's animation. I get it. I get it. But that just kept irritating me. And then it didn't, his personality didn't make it any better. And I know if he heard that, he would probably get upset and duplicate again. But <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> you just have to deal with it. You don't like me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So terrible. Thoughts, Cal. All right. So my thought is, you know, kind of to answer Jonathan's question, assuming here that on their planet, everyone just as a culture is really rude to each other simply for the fact of to prevent the duplication or there's a la the Vulcans and they deeply control their emotions, but they're not used to being around other people, hence the duplication. That being said, I thought what they were trying to do was maybe a commentary on, 
you have this person that you're supposed to look after, whether it's a emissary, whether it's a delegate, whether it's a client, whatever the case may be. And no matter what you do, you can't please that person. And not saying that they're needy, but I thought that was more of what they were trying to do was talk about everything you do, this person just spazzes out about. Yes. And and that's the thing with these, especially in TNG, you had a lot of this of let's escort the diplomat to X place and you have to kind of make them as 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 happy, you know, tiptoe around <laughs> them, make them as happy as they can along the way for various reasons. They may be going to like a peace negotiation or whatever. You know, they always have deep diplomats on their ship. And nine times out of 10, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but but nine times out of 10, that diplomat always causes issues. <laughs> always. Whenever they whenever the show starts up with the captain's log saying we we are transporting an ambassador or a diplomat. I always like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I mean, just just think about it. I mean, back to the TOS episode we recently reviewed with Sarek. You know, something's going to go wrong with all the diplomats on the ship. You know, and that's back in the TOS days. So it it definitely happens all the time. I remember this one episode where this this diplomat was trying to piss off Worf. Because he wanted to see a Klingon get mad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it happens all the time and they're trying to do anything they can to please these diplomats. So I found the fact that anything they say makes them duplicate. I thought that was really interesting. And it kind of reminded me, it, it made me like Boimler a lot more. Because although he's this kind of nervous Nelly and is annoying, he's kind of grown out of it a little bit. But He's not as bad as this this guy. Yeah, this this guy was off the charts. <laughs> yeah, and I like the fact that getting him angry um, th- is kind of the opposite to make them come back together. So I really like that. And you mentioned it, John. It's kind of uh, it's kind of similar to the Tribbles or heck, uh, Gremlins, Gizmo, whatever. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, just just interesting concept. And I, I thought that was uh, pretty cool for this for this episode. So let's let's pivot a bit and talk about Rutherford and Tendi. First off, this freaking model of the Cerritos. Is it? <laughs> uh, hmm. it, it I, I got to respect the highly functional mini model. Now, also, the thing is, I feel like they're beating us over the head with product placement. So what are you, what are you guys' thought on that? Because I feel like with the plate and then with the Cerritos, it seems like seems like every episode they show us something and then I turn to um the the Star Trek dot com website and I see an ad for that that same thing. Yeah. See, I really? was about to say that they were doing that as a parody on how much things are being sold until you said that. Mm. Kind of goes back to that uh when we were really getting into Smallville until they start putting that <laughs> placements. <laughs> Okay, but all right, but let's be practical for a second. Would you want the product placement and the product placement helps to create new content or keep content going, or would you not want that and them not have as much money and maybe not have as much content? You know, I guess. My point is maybe that's a necessary evil. I mean, I think it's cool, but I don't feel like it's natural. 
Like, for instance, with the Mandalorian and the Baby Yoda, they did it. And I'm sure they thought it would be huge, but they didn't have Baby Yoda's ready to go like the next day. Go to our store and buy it. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going to go to. It's, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg thing. Like, I'd be OK with it if, you know, the products came because of the reception of the show. Like they wrote the script and, you know, hey, this would be cool to make a make a product about but i mean from what you're explaining clarence is like you said it looked like they like made these products and then say well let's figure out how to write it in the show yeah i mean definitely with the ships uh there was like an eagle mall ship that released that same day <laughs> for the cerritos <laughs> and the a couple of weeks ago with the tom paris plate i think like the next day i saw it on star trek.com site so I mean it's whatever. I guess they did the same thing with with uh, Discovery because you could buy the Discovery uh, disco shirts right. um, soon after. Now in defense of the plates, the plates did exist before the show. Yes, but they had the Tom Paris plate. Like okay, yeah, but I mean I can let them get away with that. All right, all right. So further into the excuse us for that diverge <laughs> going off on script a little bit, <laughs> but but Rutherford and, and Tindy in this episode. And I guess the need to just have something to do to bond. I mean, what what are you guys' thoughts? And I guess to go to you, Cal, like the ultimate message of their relationship in this episode. Sometimes your worst fear is yourself and your worst crutch or your whatever is holding your whatever is holding you back is your perception of yourself. That's what I took away from it. Because that's what I thought Rutherford was doing was he had this perception. It wasn't a reality. It there was nothing he was doing that was quote unquote holding him back. But his perception was what it was and that was his reality until he changed his point of view. That's how I saw it. You know, I I didn't think of it that way and you that makes perfect sense. Like I, that never crossed my mind. Um, but I also I looked at it as well as kind of the bond of true friendship over over hard times. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you go through things and your life changes for whatever reason, or as Cal pointed out, maybe your perception of your life changes, and your worry would be, you know, what do my friends think? Will they still want to be my friend? And I I just kind of looked at it as a situation where it was showing that this friendship kind of goes beyond all of that. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. I guess I kind of saw it as a little above what you guys said. Um, definitely. Although Rutherford has changed, he doesn't have his memories from before. I kind of saw it as that if, if you're taking the whole model building, which he apparently in his former self intentionally kept rigging it just so him and Tindy can spend time together. And he finally comes to that conclusion by the end is that that's what he was doing before just so he could spend time with her. So, I mean, kind of what I got out of it was that it doesn't really matter what you're doing as long as you're spending time with your friends, you know. And, um, you know, even though he's he's like you guys said about him being different, the friendship is still there. But again, that DS9 model was too on the nose. I mean, really? Yeah, that was. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> it was, was kind of set- funny. To add insult to injury, he pointed out that it comes with the Ezri and the Jedzia. <sighs> like, I just, I, that particular point, I was like, okay, you guys are really reaching for <laughs> things now. <laughs> so, like, 
This show is so meta, man. It's so meta. I mean, it just commentates. It just commentates a little of the series. That's all it does most of the time. I mean, again, like I do feel like in the last few episodes, they've got into more of doing their own thing. And I think that's why I've enjoyed it more is because although they still go back to that commentary on other shows of Trek's past, they still I mean, in these last few, they kind of still had their own story, I guess. But you know what's sad? If you like Google uh, review of this episode, I say. Being generous, 80% of the articles are all about the call outs to a previous <laughs> series. Yes. Yes. Like you couldn't really, like I was trying and I still didn't find an answer. Maybe you guys will. I don't know. We hadn't got to this part, but like who was, who voiced the bartender? Like that sounded familiar. I couldn't place it. I didn't look it up. Huh. And so, and that's what led me to it. Like I was trying to figure. So I was like, well, let me Google reviews because maybe this would be one of those things that's like really important to know. Like somebody said, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. Well, you yeah. look it up and it's just all about the obvious callbacks. Yeah. This show is is become just a treasure trove of Easter eggs. And that seems like it's kind of the point. <laughs> but again, in the last few episodes, they're, they're, it seems like they're becoming more of their own storyline. And that's that's what I like. That's what I like about the show. So let's get into this whole thing with the Cerritos and this epic, holding up quotes here, after party. So thoughts on the concept of the assembly of the best in Starfleet. I know the conference part part makes sense. And I guess they're playing on the fact that when you have all these conferences or business conferences or comic cons, or whatever, there's always the big epic after party. And especially when you talk about things like Ted and E3, there's always these big exclusive after parties. And I guess that's what they're kind of going off after here. Um, just thoughts on that being a concept in Starfleet, because it seems kind of too seems like something that's almost too of now or of our day to, to be a thing in Starfleet. But just any thoughts before we get into some of the details? My thought was that it was, again, this commentary on something, maybe what you're just referring to, but I saw it as they wanted to show, A, how shallow some of that can be, and B, mm. what it's like being on the outside. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because you have these people that know the crew of the Cerritos, but when they're in the party, they're in their element. And for all intents and purposes, the captain, she didn't exist. Yeah. She was outside the red carpet. You know, she was on the other side of the whatever I'm trying to the the rope. She's on the yeah. other side of the rope. So she didn't exist because she had not walked over that threshold to say you're accepted. Hmm. So they it kind of touches on my opinions about this. Like, well, number one, the whole after party thing kind of it in a way happens a lot. Um, probably a lot more. I seen I saw on DS9. Uh, usually, you know, after a big event or after they negotiate a treaty or something, there's always a celebration in the wardroom and court comes out with his liquor and he's going around and everybody's chit-chatting and talking and having a good time. I mean, it's never like an epic party, but it's a party none the same. And I've seen it happen on TNG a couple of times where they had a little ceremony in 10 forward, just kind of celebrating their accomplishments. So 
it does happen. But what bothers me is from all, I mean, what makes Trek great is that it gives you a visual of like how good things could be if we all mm. accepted each other, if we all were, you know what I mean? It gives you that yeah. good vision of the future. And then you say, you see this and like, this is not at all, at all yeah. what the Federation is made up to be. I mean, you're going around the universe or the galaxy trying to spread your ideals of being accepting culture, but you won't even let your own kind <laughs> into a party. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was disappointing to me. That was very disappointing to me. But, let, you know, and I'm not saying I disagree, but because uh, I do agree with what you just said. But this popped into my head while you were talking. So let me say it real quick. Maybe what they were trying to show was, yes, there are the ideals. And yes, they, as Starfleet and the Federation, are going out and talking the ideals that we've come to love for the past 50 some odd years that said just because that is the ideal there are people that have different opinions and just like it is today people have different opinions and etc and so forth and blah 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 the ideal of starfleet is greater than that maybe Maybe I'm pulling from strings here. I don't know, but I would hope it would be greater than that. I yeah, and I, I mean, I agree with you on that. It, I, as Clarence saying, I would hope, but like, there's no. I, I get it. I don't care how good or perfect we may have become, there will be issues. But just a blatant. This was just like blatant. You're not good enough, and that to me, as far as the Federation has come, like that would have been one of the things. That went away first. You know what I mean? Especially when they got rid of a monetary system. I mean, it kind of goes back to that DS9 episode. I don't remember the name, Clarence. You probably can help me where Cisco and Bashir gets trapped in the past and there are no sanctuary districts where the people couldn't find jobs and government didn't know what to do with them. So they just kind of stowed them away. Yeah, yeah, the riots, the bell riots. Yeah, the bell, the bell riots. Yeah, and it was, it was kind of a similar situation. Like, you know, these people are not good enough to be in our civilization. So we're just going to put them over here and get rid of them and not let them be part of it. Like the bell riots that changed for the Federation and you telling me it still happens. And I get it. Maybe it's not financial or social status. It's just the ship. But I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't even rank. It was just like your ship isn't good enough. Oh, you're from right. Cerritos. You're not getting in. And you know what? It actually made me feel bad. It I'm did. Like, I've been crapping on this show, and <laughs> then, then these guys are not even good enough to get into this party. Captain Freeman, we might not be the fastest ship, or whatever the heck she said, but they wouldn't even let the captain into this freaking party, man. How nuts is that? And I mean, imagine, and you don't know how, I mean, yes, they're, they're the ones transporting the duplers and doing this little unimportant jobs we think is unimportant but I mean we find out just as we went through this pandemic when they go through the essential workers like how mm. important are these people like mm. you you treat your trash man like crap if you want to see what you're going to do with your trash when he stops coming mm. right like Cerritos is just as important as every other ship they may not be doing those flashy important things you think are important but somebody has to do it oh man it made me feel so bad at oh <laughs> but you're right. And that's the thing about Starfleet that I've loved. And 
you always get the sense that, of course, you have different ranks and people in, in authority, but it you you never really got the sense that they ever punched down at anybody. You can be as great as you want to be, you know, and it just feels like a Ferengi. These, well, anybody, <laughs> in, yeah, yeah, anybody in Starfleet, let me say that. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it's just like they were punching down on the Cerritos and um, the whole, I mean, uh, bridge officers from from the bridge officers all the way to the lower decks. And 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 apparently Kirk and Spock went through the same thing. Now, I feel like those kind of just, you know, another Easter egg they're throwing in, but they tried to tie the peril that the Lord Dex or the Cerritos is in with something that Kirk had to go through at one point. Mm-hmm. And that was on it. Cause you can't find any reference, any reference close to Spock and Kirk doing anything like that. Yeah. I think like, Kirk, Kirk was always a superstar <laughs> from what I remember. Cause I mean, at the, at the time they were the flagship of the Federation. So yeah. why would they have gone through that? Well, even when he was in the Academy, I think he was like, uh, it, it may mention he was like a superstar in the Academy too. So yeah, Mm, I don't know. Yeah, it was just like another one of those tie-ins they made to me. And and well, let's talk a little bit about the whole thing. They're gonna they were gonna get they were gonna use Williams' identity to get into the party. Now I did like the point where Boimler got in and Mariner did not. But it's it's funny. Even even though they wanted to get into this super this super secret party, that once Boimler got once he gets in, he finds that it's not his place. It's, you know, there's nobody there for him. And again, I think it goes back to the whole thing with Tendi and Rutherford. Um, it's all about friendship and your friends. And we find that Baumler and Mariner are, um, or Becky, as they say. <laughs> that 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 he he she, she's his friend and he's not gonna he can't have fun without her and he just you know you, you've done it before you got in a party with a bunch of people you care nothing about and you're like this is supposed to be fun but i'm not enjoying it like i and even for me i go to do a lot of stuff by myself now and it's not really fun you can make your own fun of course but it's more fun when your friends are there with you man and that's kind of what he went through you know, this, the more we talk about it, though, I think that it's seeming like this overall theme of this show was kind of friendship and togetherness. And I know that sounds sappy, but I mean, from but the that's beginning, what we to get the at end, the end of the episode. Yeah. And I thought that that was really cool because it it for the very first time, it made me feel like these characters who were traveling on this ship were a part of the same unit does that make sense yeah Mm, you're right and it's kind of forcing us to kind of think of them more as a as a team yeah as a family see i would love it if they would show that i would much rather see even the mother and daughter having issues that's fine I'm, i'm good with that but i would rather see a more cohesive unit of amongst the characters than to have kind of what we saw at the very, very beginning, which was, oh, here's the bridge crew. They're way up here. Here's the lower yeah. decks. We're way down here. Yeah. Or, yeah. You get, you get the, you come away from this episode thinking that the whole ship is the lower deck. Right. <laughs> and not just the actual lower deckers, man. Ugh. But it's going to kind of push, push us to kind of root for them more, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. Going forward, and not just for individual characters. Now we're going to root for the entire ship successfully completing a mission. Yeah. But you know what's cool is the fact that they wrote an episode of of a series or a show that, myself included, I think we've all, and I think, Clarence, you said this just a few minutes ago, we've all kind of ragged on a little bit over the last two seasons. And we're all sitting here saying, let's root for these characters. That's smart writing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on their side now. And, of course, they're going to have crazy stuff like the whole um, whatever they were driving in all through the station. I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> but but, yeah, I'm, I think I'm still rooting for them. And how about they have freaking um, O'Connor from the TNG episode yeah. as a DJ? How can he get in? <laughs> right. Jesus. Well, you know, I don't doubt that he would have gotten in. Just I mean, if you watch that episode and how charismatic he was. Yeah, it's like he could, Solo. <laughs> yeah, he could talk his way into anything. <laughs> What's funny is he was still carrying that little uh, that thing that they fixed on TNG. What was his <laughs> guided system or something? I didn't even notice that. So you remember on TNG, he was walking around with it on his shoulder like that. Yeah, the whole time, and that's still the same thing. Like I googled it to see if it was a boombox or was it that, and it is. It was actually the guidance system i think it was oh god (laughs) (laughs) oh man i did like to call out to commander shelby hmm yes she she was at the party so you know when bormula walked in she he kept pointing out all the captains and their number ones yeah and he's like there's captain shelby and her number one now i also looked this up because i was trying to figure out who her number one like what alien that was and so this is on so help me out, Captain Shelby. Which episode is? I mean, which okay. This was on TNG. That? So you know when uh, they find when TNG first find out about the Borg. Yes. After Q, after they come back, you know Q threw them to Borg space and they came back. Well, all of a sudden the Borg had come to the Alpha Quadrant. They attacked somewhere there. Uh, so Shelby was the Federation's expert on the Borg, and she was a commander, same as Commander wow. Wyker. Oh, and I think yes. we reviewed that episode. I remember yeah, I think we that. may have. And she was kind of pushing the- Riker. She wanted yeah. his job. But she wasn't a captain at that point. She no, was, uh, she was not a captain. But, I mean, the common consensus was she was like the best commander in the fleet under other than Riker. Mm, good callback, dude. <laughs> So, but what I was interested, more interested in was if she became captain, who would she have picked as a number one? And so I looked it up and supposedly, and this is on trekmovie.com. I don't know how accurate their information is. Supposedly that is the original. That's, that's what discovery initially were planning on making the Kelpians look like. Really? So says trekmovie.com. And so says memoryalpha.com as well. And it's just, it looks weird. I'm glad they didn't go with that because <laughs> I don't like him. But it's like a, I don't know what you call it. it I mean, it got like 20 eyes. Because <laughs> you know what? I, I didn't even really pay attention because I remember them saying Shelby, but then they flipped to the other guy with the little mini, mini me on his shoulder. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, they're just making up some crap. So I didn't pay, <laughs> so I didn't pay attention. <laughs> Good, fine. Oh my God. So while we're talking about Easter eggs and stuff in there. 
Um, Boimler brings the dress uniforms, the old school TNG dress uniforms, <laughs> the but they call them scants. <laughs> so I don't remember them being called scants in the show, but I think they're doing like a, a joke in that reference. And maybe they were called scants. Maybe. Do you remember, John? I never heard them called scants. But I mean, I know what now scants are like pants, skirts. Yeah, so they were using a play on words because they were called dress uniforms. So I think if you look up scant on Memory Alpha, a scant is that uniform that looks like a normal TNG uniform, but it's a miniskirt that the dudes were wearing. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it wasn't one complete uniform? It was just a skirt? It was just a skirt. Because you remember there were some dudes wearing dresses at the very beginning of TNG. And I think that's what a scant is called. But I, but I think they were using a play on words because they also called the formal uniforms dress uniforms. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So, I see what I just looked it up. I get it now. Yeah. So they were just using a play on words to kind of make a joke, I guess. <laughs> but what's weird about that whole scene is when they got to the actual Starbase 25, they were wearing the uh, Nemesis uniforms. Right. Which I thought looked way better. I liked them. So anyway. Well, didn't she, didn't uh, uh, Mariner tell him when he said nobody wears those anymore or something? She kind of alluded yeah, to him being did. like an old school thing. Yeah, she did. She did. Oh, yeah. Uh, one other quick thing. And I know we're going to wrap up, but they mentioned <laughs> Melvis. Melvis gets mad at Becky because he trapped her on City Alpha 4. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, City Alpha 4 is way worse than, than City Alpha 5. <laughs> Now, this is a reference to the Wrath of Khan. So the Wrath of Khan, um, uh, uh, all of him and Khan and all of his uh, people, they were actually marooned on City Alpha 5, which was a good planet at first. But I think City Alpha 6 exploded and it changed their trajectory or their orbit. And then it wound up being a desert planet. But still, he thinks it's better than. <laughs> than the planet he got marooned <laughs> to. So I just thought that was a cool little reference. All uh, references. Yeah. And it, <sighs> go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, it's, uh, I, I just, I like the fact that we see in a lot of Quark's bar everywhere now. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> he started, he's finally got his dream to expand to become a successful businessman. <laughs> like, he has a freaking empire, man. You're that's, right. That's freaking cool. And then I guess maybe the lucky Ferengi is he is too. Yeah, man, I would have loved to see him or Nog or Ron, right. either, either Rom. one of those characters. Because, you know, Nog is in Starfleet now, so that would have yeah. been Rom running the bar. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, we had the data, the data bubbles. Oh, that was <laughs> that funny. Was yeah, he gets, he, some of them were lores. Yeah, <laughs> it's so meta. It's so meta. Like everything that they talk about revolves around the shows we saw. Oh man! <laughs> but anyway, anybody have anything else before we wrap this up? I think there may have been a TOS, re- a TAS reference with the aviary. You know, the family that was in the little circle. All oh, the birds. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a TAS reference. And supposedly the bouncer at the club was a TAS reference, too. Which oh, I've never... I actually like the design of that character. It reminded me of something. I can't think of it on another show. Mm. All right, guys. Well, with that, let's go around the horn and see what everybody rated this episode. Cal Jones. You know what? Because it made us think, I'm going to give it a four point two wow not bad 
4.2 from Kyle Jones. What do you think about it, John? Um, you know, uh, as Kyle pointed out, and I'm realizing, you know, we even if we came into this saying it was terrible, like it sparked a decent conversation of amongst a lot of different subjects. Yeah. So as Kyle said, it made you think. Um, but I I started out like I started out saying I really overall enjoyed it. The only thing irritating part to me was the Doppler, but so <laughs> Doppler, Doppler, how are you saying? Uh, that being said, I'll go four, solid four. All right, four from you, and I think I'm gonna go with a three point nine. Um, I really thought there was some gr- great, great parts in it, and when you think about when you think about the Cerritos being their own family and how they get crapped on from freaking everybody, it just made me mad that they get treated like that. And in turn, making me mad that I treat them like that, too, even though sometimes it's deserved. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a, a, a 3.9 for, for so me. So the 3.9, are you treating them badly by give them giving a 3.9? Are you trying to make me feel badly? Oh, <laughs> you're punching down, <laughs> man. You're punching no, down. No, no, four point Hey, it's not the lowest I've given them before. Let's just no, say I know. That. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> oh, Couldn't resist that. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I mean, the lowest ranked episode. I mean, you can't do much worse than that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and who knows what we're going to get next week? I haven't. I haven't even been on a press site to see what, what's coming next. So listen, as long as they keep continue with actually laying out a good storyline, yes, and exploring it thoroughly, I'm okay with it. Yes. Like let's make the story the important part and leave the callbacks or the comedy or all that as you know just the extra. As long as they do that, I'm okay with it, and I'll watch it. I'm right there with you, sir. And with that, let's see what everybody has been into, listening, watching, working on, podcast later or otherwise. Jonathan. Um, well, as always, man, I'm not much going on here uh, in the remote of area of the Delta Quadrant. I have <laughs> been started back up on DS9, so that's always a good thing to do. And as always, guys, look us up on any of your podcasts listening apps and subscribe check us out on patreon discussing network let us know what you think let us know what you think about what we said and i don't know just give us a shout out oh yeah oh yeah please send that feedback in it'd be awesome to feature it on the show so yeah cal jones what about you man so as i often do i talk about doctor who in here any chance i can get so i'll just point everyone to Discussing Who, where we just celebrated our 250th episode, me, Clarence, our friend Lee, and frequent guest host Nicole, we had 250. So, episode 250, Discussing Who. That's awesome, man. 250 episodes. Yeah. Makes me feel old. (laughs) (laughs) And my shout out is going to be if you have Apple TV Plus, check out Ted Lasso. It's the feel good show of the year. You should definitely check it out uh, to see corniness made cool. If that's a thing. Um, Very good show. I love it. Uh, Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. And with that, we will wrap this thing up. Guys, what do you think about this episode? As John mentioned before, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias. 
Also, you can email us at fans at discussingtrek.com. Send us a voicemail or just send us a nice message and we might even feature it on the show. Tell us what you think about Lower Decks so far. Thank you all for joining. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Say